Well, turn in your Bibles, and we're going to talk about uh, getting better or getting bitter. And many people, you know, today, the Bible says that there's going to come a time where people will be offended, and offense will begin to be an epidemic, and I tell you what, I can see in our culture now, offense is celebrated. Anybody ever watch Jerry Springer show? I used to have to work, when I'd work out, I quit going to the Y partially because of it. Uh, you think, you know, the Young Christian, you know, association, you wouldn't have, but they played this junk on the televisions, and I was just like, I cannot believe this stuff. You know, you'd be working out, and all of a sudden, you know, there'd be some woman screaming and slapping her husband, and they'd be, you know, punching each other out on the Jerry Springer show. And the people, all the crowd would be going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's like offense is celebrated. How many of you think that that's pretty bizarre? It's like I, and I, I just said, I'm not going to work out here anymore. And so uh, I got offended and laughed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But I just thought, this is not good for my soul. And, and also, we got a better deal elsewhere. <laughs> so anyway, there's a lot of reasons. But getting bitter or getting better, and it's our choice in life. And I want to tell you a story. Uh, there was a, and this is a true story. And, you know, life is a series of choices. And there was a story about these two men, and they were twins. They were raised uh, by the same father. The mother died, and they were raised by their father. And they had chronicled their life, and they had done a story on these two men, and because they were twins, and one, and, and, it, and it's really amazing, they, they, they interviewed these guys, and the story of these twins, they were abused, they were abandoned by their father, and at the latter end of their lives, uh, they were surveyed, and the results uh, came, and one, one was in prison. And the other one was a multimillionaire, a super overachiever, very successful person. And they asked him, well, why? And they, and they got them both together. And, they, and this is a true story. And they asked the one that was in prison, why did you turn out this way? Why did things just not go good for you? Then the one that was in prison. And he says, well, how else could I have turned out with a father like mine who had abused them and had, and had actually abandoned them? And, you know, he was, very, he was obviously very, very bitter. And then they went and they interviewed the other man who has a tremendous success story. And they said, how is it that your brother, you know, and, you know he was in prison and, and, and you turned out so great and everything, and your life just turned up roses and you're a multimillionaire and everything that you do. And he says, what? And they asked, well, why, why would that be? And he says, well, how else could I turn out with a father like mine? He gave the exact same answer. Now, isn't that interesting that they would say exactly the same thing? How else would I turn out? You know, the one saw that his father abused him, he abandoned him, he did all these things, and he said, how else could I have possibly turned out with a father like that? I mean, with a father like mine. I mean, he was just, he was terrible to me, and, and that's what he focused on. And the other one, undoubtedly, what was going through his mind is, how else could I turn out? With a father like that, I, I would make sure that I would be anything and everything, just the absolute opposite of him. And, you know, forgive him, but move on and not stay there and not look behind and not live in that mess and, and move on. And, and he got better and the other one got bitter. How many of you know people like that? There's a lot of people like that out there. 
And you know, that is an amazing story because they both said the same thing, but it's what they meant by what they said that made the difference. And what was in their heart, it wasn't what was happening on the outside of them that made the difference. It was what was happening on the inside that affected everything on the outside. One saw that it's all about what happens on the inside will affect everything on the outside. The other one was, oh, everything on the outside, how they treated me is going to affect me on the inside. And he lived in a perpetual pity party. And the other one lived in a perpetual, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to forgive and forget. I'm, not going, to, I'm going to get better. I'm not going to stay in that mess and get bitter. I'm going to keep on going forward. And he made his life into a great uh, thing. And, you know, we need to learn this lesson because... The Bible says something very interesting about offenses. Turn with me to Matthew 18 and 7. It says, at the same time came the disciples... Oh, I'm sorry. I started reading the wrong verse. Woe unto the world because of offenses. You know, we all, you know, acknowledge that. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. Wow. It must needs be. That's kind of a roundabout old King James way of saying, uh, guess what, folks? No matter what, offenses are going to come. 18.7. Let's read it again. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. But woe unto that man by whom the offenses come. In other words, don't, it's, it's bad enough that they're coming, but just be sure you're not causing any of them. Amen. But it says that there will always be offenses. How, how many of you know there are all kinds of You know, all you got to do is turn on, I, I can turn on television tonight and I'll be, and, and I could be offended at what's on there. How many of you know that we're bombarded with offensive things, but it's our choice whether we're going to be offended or not. And as we, uh, as we experience a lot, and in the ministry you, you experience a lot of offensive things. You know, Jeremy goes out there and, and, you know, there's probably a lot of people that, you know, ignore you and, don't, and, and, and just don't treat you right. And, and just, you know, when you're in ministry, that a lot of people just think, well, you're a piece of public property. I can just kind of treat you any way I want, you know. But, but in life, there's just a lot of offenses. I mean, there's a lot of offensive things. So then are we just going to choose to get offended at all of them? If you do that, boy, you're going ha- to have a really difficult life. But that word offense is the Greek word, a scandalon. It's where we get the word scandal. And it literally means a baited trap. John Bevere brought that to the forefront of, of a lot of people's understanding with his book, The Bait of Satan. And it is the bait of Satan. Satan is trying to bait you into getting offended. Because once he gets you offended, he can control you. And as long as he knows you can be offended, he'll bring many offenders your way. It's really true. <laughs> Bob's grinning back there. He sells insurance. He knows. <laughs> Sam is telling us about all. <laughs> he says, I make 25 appointments a week, Dad. And he says, and a really good week is if 15 of them show up. How many of people don't keep their word today? How many of people aren't really committed to anything today? It's really kind of amazing. And so as, as you look at that, uh, it is the bait of Satan, and you can let it affect you, or you can, you know, just move on and, and, and just be sure that you're not that way. And it provides, it's the bait of Satan, but here, here's the second part that I want to say about that. It provides a test of our character before God as he's watching. See, when you're offended, 
you, you, you have a choice every time you get offended. And there's always offensive stuff, but just because there's offensive stuff doesn't mean you have to get offended about it. Amen. Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride cometh contention. Wow. All offense is an affront to our pride, our flesh. Every time you're offended is because you're full of pride. Pastor Bill, that offends me. <laughs> but it's true. Our pride is what gets offended. See, that is the offend. Uh, that's the offended part of us is our pride. How dare you say that about me? What makes you think that about me? Why are you treating me that way? Because I'm better than, uh, what, you know, than that. You should not be treating me that way. You shouldn't be talking to me. See, it's, 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 a, it's, about, it's a me thing. And we have to really understand that it's really true. Only by pride. How many of you know, if we didn't have pride, if you took pride out of the picture, we'd all be able to get along so much better? It's really true. It's our pride. Only by pride. Now, did God mean, oh, well, most of the time by pride. He says only by pride. Only pr- by pride is contention. How many of you know that offense is a contention with you. It's a, it's a contending. All offense ultimately comes from the, pro, the pride in the human uh, unregenerate part of our unrenewed mind or our feelings and, as Christians. And it's, a, and it's in the heart of a lost person, but it's in the unrenewed part of our, our minds and feelings and emotions of a saved person that feels that way. In the last days, it's character decreases, offense will increase. Say that with me. There's a direct correlation. Say it with me. There's a, dif- there's a direct correlation. As character decreases, offense increases. Low character is easily offended. High character is not easily offended. If you have high character, the character of God, the character of the fruits of the Spirit, you will not uh, be offended as easily. I mean, we all probably feel offended, but you know, you, you can feel, but that is, but you can choose not to be offended after you feel it. And just because you feel, don't say I'm offended just because you feel offense. You're offended when you respond to it. That's when you're, you're stepping into the posture legally before God of being offended. Okay, so let's turn to Matthew 24, because the Bible says in the last days we're going to have to deal with that. And how many of you believe, I'm just going to say, how many of you know we're in the last days? I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, just, there's, there's a lot of evidence all around us. Matthew 24, 10 through 13. It says, and then many, and then shall many be offended. And shall betray one another. You ought to circle offended and then circle betray one another. Because those are the two things that are the most pertinent to what I want to say here. Betrayal is almost always a result of offense. And then shall many be offended and shall, be, and shall betray one another. And then we'll read the rest too. And shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because of iniquity, that's lawlessness, shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. They that endure to the end shall be, be saved. You know, how many of you notice that there's a lot, a lot of touchy people nowadays? 
How many know political correctness has, has created an environment of offense? How many of you know Saul Alinsky's book, one of the things that he says in Rules for Radicals, the seven rules for radicals, is to create a, a society that is the rich are pitted against the, the poor, the woman against the man, uh, the, the black against the white, the, you know, this, this race against that race, and, and this culture against that culture. And, and it thri- how many of you know Satan uh, thrives on offense? That's how he gets his agenda accomplished. God gets his agenda accomplished through love, and the devil gets his accomplished through offense. You know, even the election, I'll, I'll tell you, I've seen, there's, there's entire churches and families split over the election right now. Anybody know anybody like that? Well, we're voting for Trump. Well, we'll never vote for Trump. Well, I'm going to ride in. Well, I'm not going to ride in. Well, I'm not going to vote at all. And, and you got everything in between. How many of you know, all the, 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 there's many Christians taking all those positions, and it's one thing if they just take that position and be quiet and sit down, but they're going to enforce, they're going to enforce it on everybody else. And, and, and be mad if you don't follow them. And there's just offense all over the place. And it isn't just in the world, it's in the church. Isn't that sad? And, and I, I, you know, I taught on that, and I, and I believe that the Lord showed me some things about that. But I leave room for people if, to disagree with me, and I leave room for people... Uh, to do what they believe their conscience is telling them to do. Can I get an amen? And we need to do that. And, and so I think that that's really important. And so this offense thing has is, is, is gone hog wild. And Jesus, now let me, let me show you. We, we just read in the last days many, and, and just say it with me, many shall be offended, say it, and betray one another. That, that's kind of the, the focus on what we're looking at tonight. And what Jesus experienced towards the end of his time here on earth was very similar to that very thing. There's going to be a time where this dispensation of the body of Christ will come to an end. How many of you understand that? And the Bible says when this dispensation, when the body of Christ is on the earth, that in that last days, many will be offended and many will betray. While the body of Christ is on the earth, when it comes to the, towards the end of our time, before, right before we get raptured or right before the Lord returns or whatever your eschatology is, right before that happens, there's going to be a lot of offense and betrayal. Did you know that, happened, that, that will happen on this big macro scale, but it happened to Jesus individually on a micro scale? Because towards the end of Jesus' time here, it says that his disciples got offended and they betrayed him. Where does it say that, Pastor Bill? I didn't know that. Let me just say the statement one more time. What, what Jesus experienced towards the end of his time here on earth was what Matthew 24 says would happen to the body of Christ. Just like it happened to the Christ, it'll happen to the body of Christ. When will it happen? At the end of our time here, it happened at the end of his time while he was here on earth. Very interesting parallel but look what it says. And let, let me just say, and, and it, it, what it says would happen to the body of Christ towards the end of our time on earth is exactly what happened in Jesus, which was offense and betrayal. Turn with me to John, the sixth chapter, verses 59 through 66. We're going to look at some interesting things there as to what Jesus said about that. John 6 and 59. We're going to begin reading there. We'll go through verse 66. And it says this, and these things said he 
in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now, these are things that he said, and he said them in church. Everybody say, these are things Jesus said, and he said them in church. And he said them to church people. Okay, now listen to this. Pay attention to that. And these things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And when Jesus knew in himself, the disciples murmured at it. He said unto them, Doth this, oh, what's it say? Offend you. So we've got the preacher. We've got the church. We've got the church people. We've got things being said. And Jesus notices they're getting offended. See, you've got to ask yourself, were they getting offended at Jesus or were they getting offended at God's word? Did Jesus ever preach anything besides God's word? You guys are awful quiet. Were they, pre- were they getting offended at Jesus or, or God's word? God's word. Thank you. See, now look at this. This is very interesting. And they said, oh, this is a hard saying. My yoke is easy and my, you know, my burden is light. This is a hard saying. The way of the transgressor is hard, the Bible says. Okay, now look what he says. Does this offend you? What? And if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, it is the Spirit that quickeneth, and the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Can you believe that the words that are spirit and life would offend people? Now think about that. The very words that produce the spirit of God and life of God, that that would be offensive to some. I'm going to tell you something right now. The word of God is very offensive to people today. There's a lot of people out there in the world that absolutely, you, you say anything about the Bible, they're ready to cut your head off. Oh, excuse me, that really does happen, doesn't it? Because of their religion or their lack of religion or their hatred or their offense or something. They're, they're ready to kill you. It says they killed Jesus because they were jealous of him. And this is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, and it profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit in their life. But these are some, but excuse me, but there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Now I want you to circle betray him. Then I want you to draw a line where it goes back where it says, Does this offend you? Notice how wherever there is offense, there's betrayal. And that offense comes from the word that are spirit and life. The words that are spirit and life are what causes people to be offended. And then they betray fellow Christians and leaders and and even their own families and just others in the church and and all manner. I mean, there is no no magical lines where this starts and stops. It it, It just permeates everything. Wow, and he already knew who they were going to be. Can you ever tell when people are starting to get offended by what you're saying? You can when you're preaching especially, but anyway. But it says, there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray them. You know, it's a funny thing. If Jesus said, hey, you know what? You guys are really ugly. 
I can see why they'd get offended. But you, you'd be surprised. You know, it surprised me that he's preaching the word of life. These words are spirit and they are life. And it's offending them enough to betray him. That's an amazing thing. And he said, therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They betrayed him. Wow. Do you ever wonder why Judas did what he did? Do you think God just preordained and, you know, had, you know, he was just supernaturally, you know, it was predestination for Judas to turn against Jesus. See, I don't believe that for a second. God may have foreknowledge, but, you know, there's a difference between destinationism and determinism. Some things can be, there can be a destination without a determination. Now, now, now look at this. You ever wonder why uh, Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver and then ended up hanging himself? For, it says, that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the 12. Now, now notice how it says he knew who was going to betray him. Everybody say, he knew who was going to betray him. Wow. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? Now, notice their response to the word. Listen carefully. Because now he says, now are you going to betray too? And betrayers and non-betrayers have a different relationship with the words of the preacher. Now, think about this. Will you also go away? And then Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Now, you ought to circle, thou hast the words of eternal life, and draw a line over to where the other one said this. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? How many know there's a big difference between those who believe it's the words of life? And where else would we go to get them, Jesus? And then there are those who say, this is really hard. Who, who can do that? What's he expecting us to do? Do you really expect me to believe that? I can just hear their voices. I can just hear the way that they're responding to what he's preaching. Can I get an amen? I know people that are offended by the word. I know people who consider precious and the word of life. Let me tell you something. You better guard your heart. Because out of it comes the issues of life. And there is a crowd that is offended by everything the preacher says. And they go from one church to another church, and they church hop, and they leave, and they go, and they got to go here. And they go, I don't like that preacher, and I don't like that preacher. No, no little, little sheep, you don't like the word. That's what's offending you. And you know, if you don't like the word, you got a big problem. Because in the word, beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. If you don't like the word, you don't like God. Brother and sister, you is in big trouble if you don't like God. Because you're not going to win, you're going to lose. Somebody say amen. And you know who I'm talking about? Mr. Judas. Now look what it says. And they said, Lord... We're not going to leave you. Where else are we going to get this wonderful word of life that nobody else has ever given us? Not, oh, this is hard. What, what's he expecting us to do around here after all? He really wants us to do that? No, see, the two crowds. 
He wants us to show up every service. Oh my gosh. Abuse. And have to listen to that rotten old word out of the Bible. Who wants to go listen to that? It's your relationship to the word that determines whether you get offended or not. Can I get an amen? Somebody say amen. It's true. I'm mad at Pastor Bill. He's really ticking me off the way he's preaching tonight. No, you don't like the word. You don't like the word. Let's keep going. Then Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. I never knew anybody else preaching this stuff around here. You can't find these type of messages any place. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you? Twelve, and one of you is a devil. See, Judas was already offended a long time ago. He already knew that this was all offending him. Because what did he say? That offense comes through, this is a hard saying, does this offend? In other words, does what I'm saying offend you? Is what Jesus was trying to communicate here. And so then we, we, he starts talking about, I already know the ones that are offended. And I already know the ones that are going to do something. So what he's really saying is, Judas, I already know this offends you, and I already know you're, you're going to betray me. Because look what he says next. He says, have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? And he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him. Now, what do we connect betrayal to? Offended by the word. So what this is really revealing is why, you know, Judas just didn't one day say, wow, I really need 30 pieces of silver. He got so offended, he didn't leave. He stuck with him and says, I'm going to get back. I'm going to take him down. I'm going to turn him over. I'm going to betray him. You know, it's one thing to leave because you're offended. It's another thing to get back. How I many of you know, Judas must have been trying to get back at Jesus for something that he had said? Wow, those are dangerous zones to walk in. Can I get an amen? Those are the difference between being the rich guy, the rich successful guy, and the guy sitting in prison still hating everybody, mainly his dad. See, that's a really perverted way to live your life. And it's so perverted that Judas ended up hanging himself. Can I get an amen? It's self-destruction. And so we can see that there is your response to the word is really what determines whether you will live in offense or in victory. Your response to the word will determine whether you betray your pastor, your fellow Christians, your own family, your own life, your own Lord, your own future, your own success. Can I get an amen? How you relate to the word. Do you find the word of God offensive? Do you find when somebody preaches it very boldly and strongly even more offensive? Or do you say, yeah, preach it, brother? Because that is the word of life. Let me tell you something. It is the great expose of your character. It says, many left Jesus when they... He said something to offend him. The word is like a sorting gate of the sheep on the farm. I remember, I'll never forget, I've probably told this story a few times, but I'll never forget, we were sorting cattle, and, you know, we, we 
back when they were first really bringing a lot of Charlets into the country, and Charlets were like, you know, you'd have your Angus and your Hereford and your Shorter, and the Charlet was about this much taller. They were huge cattle. And we loved those, those Charlet cattle because you'd put them in the feedlot, and they would be up to 12, 1,400 pounds, and all the rest were just like 1,000 pounds. I mean, they would just gain. And, you know, rate of gain is a big deal when you're a farmer. You know, you, you have this equation with how much you feed them and how much they gain and then how much you can get them to market for in so, so many days and it saves you money, your overhead's lower, and, you're, you know, you, you get a lot greater profit than you have. So we liked our Charlais, but Charlais, I think, were all demon-possessed. <laughs> they were the stupidest things to try to get to go up a loading chute, for instance, and you'd try to herd those things, and they would go, and I don't know how they knew to do this, they would go almost every way except where you wanted them to go. You know, that's the difference between a sheep and a goat. You, you all know that, right? Charlets were like the goats of the, of the bovine. And they were just knuckleheads, as Pastor Bill's favorite word is. But anyway, they were complete knuckleheads. And so I can remember my dad, my, my grandpa was about 85, 86 years old. Uh, you know, he was in his mid-80s, maybe 80, I don't know, somewhere getting close to his mid-80s, and my dad was probably in his 50s, and I was just this little guy, and, and we were trying to sort cattle, and all the others went up the chute, and it was time to send them off to market, and we had this big pen where we sorted them, and then you had this big chute, and you had a gate where you got them into the chute, and then you ran them up. And I'll never forget that stupid Charlet. We kept trying to herd him up that chute. And he eventually jumped over the fence. And, you know, we were just like the three amigos standing there watching him run off into the sunset. We all wish we had our six gun. We'd have shot him right there. He made us so... My grandpa was saying some choice words. And before my dad was saved, he was saying some choice words. And uh, we, we all stood there. We were furious. I and mean, we spent all day getting these stupid things in. And he knocks the fence down, goes running. And some others ran through where he broke the fence down. And kind of undone everything we'd worked all, you know, all day to do. And so, you know, we send off a load and without, and the trucker has to come back later. We got to fix the fence. We got to chase that crazy thing in and get him back into the sorting chute, sorting pen. Well, we did, and he jumped, and he did it again. You know, once they know they can jump it, you know, they remember that for some reason. So we finally. Got all the other cattle sold, and the only one we didn't have sold was him because he knew he'd jump the fence every time. So we just said, well, we can't, we can't even get him in there anymore because he does, he does not want to be in that room anymore, in that corral. And so we just left the gate open, and we knew that he had to come in there for water, and we put out some feed. We knew he'd get hungry. You know, he'd be out roaming the grass, but then he, he'd like this really good stuff that we'd put out, and he'd come eat that. So finally we got coaxed in there by seduction, you know. <laughs> got him in there. And we had built, and we got more help. And we thought, we got you now, dude. And so we got him in, and we got him in the, we got him in the sorting pen. And then we got him in the chute to go up to the truck. And I'll never forget, we were like almost rejoicing. I mean, we, we got that thing in there. And because, you know, now we aren't going to hire a big full-size truck to haul him. We're, we're going to put him in the back of my dad's pickup. You ever see back in the 1960s and 70s, the wooden racks that they had? And, and you know, it was about so high, you know, about his chest. But then you put up these little scrawny, flimsy boards that would come up about this high. 
Well, he'd already jumped fences this high. So we, we were, you know, we got him going up the chute. We got you now, sucker. And he, he goes down up that chute, and, he, and he, he goes right inside the truck. He looks around, and he jumps out, and he jumps out on top of the hood of the pickup, the top of the cab. And it's like we see him standing on top of the cab, and he looks around. He jumps down on the hood. Now he's put a big dent in the cab, and he can't just jump off there. He has to jump on the hood and dent it all into. And then he jumped down the ground and took off again into the sunset with the three amigos watching. It's like, get the gun. Kill it. We were, they were so mad. So then we got the big truck again. We learned that lesson. Now we're slowly learning. It's like the process of elimination. We're going to get this demon-possessed thing where they can kill him. We finally got him later on. Then we had another one like that, and we just shot him. <laughs> Honest to God, we shot him. We got him in the barn. He stuck his head around the corner, and the, guy, the butcher guy brought his rifle and shot him right in the, between the eyes and dropped him right there. We were just like so happy. We were you know, having a Holy Ghost dance right there, you know. It was terrible. But that Charlet is like people, you know, he rebelled at the gate. There's a lot of Christians, they rebel. How many of you know the word of God is like the sorting gate? It will reveal to you who's going along with God and who isn't. The old ramp up to the truck would reveal to you who was going to go along with this thing and who wasn't. And let me tell you something. That thing, nothing was going to, I mean, there are just, it is, the word of God is the sorting gate. It will expose who you are. Proverbs 12, 15. Let's, let's look at some Proverbs real quickly. And like I said, we're going to go a little bit shorter tonight. Proverbs 12 and 15. Anybody get anything out of this? But 12 and 15 says this, it says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. The way of that Charlet was right in his own eyes. He, he knew he was right. He was going to jump that gate. He was going to jump on top of that truck. Oh, but you know what? He got, he got butchered. Look what it says. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he that heareth unto, hearketh unto counsel is wise. Proverbs 1.7. I mean, it's all... You just got this over and over again in Proverbs, the delineation of a fool and a wise man. The clear delineation, distinction, and differentiation of the fool and the wise man is talked about over and over and over again. And it's spoken to children. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Woo! Proverbs 9, 8. B, I'm going to go to that last part just for the sake of time. Proverbs 9, and then you get down there, and it says, Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. See, it's not the outside that affects, it's the inside that affects the outside. Your inward world will affect your outward world. Response to the word is always a character test and expose. Back to John 6, 66 through 71. We can see that there was a clearly two different ways of relating to God's word. And today what preachers do is they start slowly compromising, watering down, downsizing the amount of word 
the potency of the word and the supremacy or preeminence of the word in the local church service because they are changing the service to accommodate the fool instead of changing the fool to accommodate the word of God. Can I get an amen? Because there's two different types of people and two different types of responses to the word. One gets offended. One holds it precious. Who else would give us this word of life like you, Jesus? The word reveals everything about us and to us. And you see, he, st- he stayed back, and Judas is really the poster child of the offended person. Can I get an amen? amen. And again, it's, he wasn't offended at Jesus. He was offended at what Jesus was saying. Solution. If you feel offended, get better, don't get bitter. That's the title of the sermon, by the way. Psalms 119 says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Again, we go back to how you're relating to God's word. Great peace have they that love, uh, you know, your personality, the preacher's personality. No, great peace have they that love the law, the word of God, what's being preached. You know, Again, I can't tell you how many people say, well, you know, we didn't like that preacher, and we didn't like that preacher. And I've noticed that all the preachers they didn't like were word preachers, and then they finally went to a church where there was no word being preached, and they got, they got along just great with him. I know people like that. Can I get an amen? It's not the preacher that they don't like. It's what the preacher's saying that offends them. It's the word of God that offends them. Therefore, it's God that offends them. And if God offends you, you must consider yourself greater than God. But great peace have they that love thy law. Great peace that have this right relationship with the word and nothing will offend them. See, your relationship with the word will determine in life whether you walk in offense or if you walk in holding the word of God precious. It'll, be, it'll determine whether you'll be a betrayer of people or whether you'll be a helper and a blessing to people. Somebody say amen. See, the apostles, they weren't offended. They, again, they said, these are the words of life. Turn with me to Romans, the 12th chapter, 19 through 21. These are, and these are the type of things that Jesus taught us. And as you see here, you get over into Proverbs. It, it talks about this constantly. But even in, you know, Jesus talks about, I'm going to give you Paul, and then we'll, we'll go to Jesus next. But we'll go to Paul over there in Romans. And go to Romans 12, 19 through 21. Okay. I, got, I went too far past. Okay, here we are. Proverbs. I mean, excuse me, Romans 12, 19 through 21. Now, here's the non-offense response. Dear beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. How many of you know there's a just a justness inside of us? How many of you know we talk about righteous indignation? How many of you know certain things are going to make you mad? And if they don't, there's probably something wrong with you. But what God's talking about is get yourself under control anyway. Because there's always going to be things that are going to make you mad. There's always going to be things that are going to offend you. And God has already told us that there would be offense. In other words, God promised, you know, it's one of the promises of God, we'll be offended. <laughs> Let's claim that one, sister. No, that's just a fact. We're going to be offended. 
So what we've got to understand is how do we, then how do we relate when the offenses come? Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. See, offense avenges itself. But rather give place under wrath. But you know the good thing is, is God says, I'm not going to let them get by with that. I'm going to give them a spanking. You don't have to. How many of you glad doesn't say, you know, uh, dearly beloved, don't avenge yourselves. I'm always just going to let them get by with it forever. How many think, something's wrong with our God? <laughs> no, God's going to give them a spanking. And no, no, nobody wants to admit that that makes you feel just a little better about it. <laughs> but there's a reason why God says, I will, I will avenge for you. Because that's built into the nature of God. It's called justice. Can I get an amen? That's called justice. And that is part of our makeup. But we don't take justice into our own hands. It's like, you know, vigilantes, are not a, that's not a good thing. Don't be a spiritual vigilante. And get your own posse to go after the bad guys. Let God do it. The guy with the badge do it. The Holy Ghost. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Just thought I'd tell you that. No, there's a reason why he tells us that. So we can cast that care into his hands. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know, Paul said, I turned Hymenaeus and Alexander over Satan for the destruction of their flesh, that they might learn not to blaspheme the Lord. And then when it came to Alexander the coppersmith, Paul said, Lord, repay him what is due to him. In other words, kick his butt. He treated us like crap, you know. That's what people would say today. But he was just saying, God, you, you deal with him. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. That doesn't sound like an offended person. He may feel offended, but he's not choosing to be offended. Can I get an amen? He's choosing to do the right thing. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink. This is, what you will, this is how you will get offense out of your life. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, we can go back to Matthew, and, and we could read a whole, a whole long you know, Jesus said, you heard that in the Old Testament it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, when your enemy smites you, turn the other cheek. When he steals your coat, give him another one. When he requires you to carry your coat for a mile, you know, and a lot of centurions did that with just the common people. They kind of abused their authority over him. He says, take it for two miles. So he doesn't have to. In other words, it'll heap coals hot coals on their head, and it'll bring them under conviction. Can I get an amen? amen? That's what Jesus said to do. Don't get over into the offense, so you'll be the guy in prison instead of the rich, happy guy uh, that was a success. Probably one of the most common offenses, you know, people get offended for a lot of things, but the most common offense in church is being offended by the word and then departing, which is a form of betrayal. Betrayal to God, yourself, your, con- your congregation, your pastor, your children, the people that you're supposed to be serving in that church. You've betrayed a lot of people when you leave when you're not supposed to. Did you all hear that tonight? I say you betray a lot of people when you leave when you're not supposed to. God sets every member into the body as it pleases him. And let me say it again. When you betray, when you leave, when people get offended and they leave, they betray their God, they betray themselves, they betray their family, they betray their pastor, they betray their fellow Christians in that church, and they betray all the people that they're supposed to be serving in that church. 
there's a lot of betrayal takes place when that happens. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes 10.4. But one of the most common things that happens with people is they get offended and they immediately, their response is, leave! Don't have to put up with that. It says that many of Jesus' disciples left him. Not a few, everybody say many. You know, I find it interesting. At one point, he had over 5,000 people that he was feeding, but there was only 120 in the upper room. So what's your guess at many? Because when they say 5,000, that's just the men, and that's a wife and four kids. It's actually about 20,000. And then when it was all said and done, he had 120? What do you think it means when it says, and many of his disciples left him? You tell me. I don't know what that means, but I think it means many. Okay. And it says in Ecclesiastes 10.4, it says, if the spirit of the ruler, and the ruler could be a parent, it could be a, it could be a boss, it could be your pastor, it could be someone that's just over you, uh, you know, it could be a, a, a good ruler, even in the civil realm, but whatever, it, it makes no difference what it is. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. So what does the Bible tell us to do when, when, when something is offensive and somebody rises up? Maybe they, they spoke harshly to you or they corrected you or someone in authority rose up and, and kind of thought that they needed to straighten you out or say something strong to you or something like that. What does it say? Does it say to, to, to leave or does it say to not leave? Leave not thy place. See, this is the, the quintessential problem with spineless Americans if it doesn't go their way, we're out of here. That, that's that's the, the spineless response to everything in life. I don't like this marriage anymore. I'm out of here. I don't like this job anymore. I'm out of here. Because after all, it's all about you. I don't like this situation. I don't like this church. I don't like that. Uh, that sermon, I don't, I'm out of here. See, they're offended by the word. Somebody say amen. amen. And what it does is it creates more offense. Let me read it again. It says, if the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. Well, pacifies whose offenses? The person or the leaders? Whose offense is it talking about? Well, let me tell you how many offenses can start when a person leaves. It keeps the leader from getting into offense because some leaders, if someone leaves, they can get offended. How many of you know it also changes uh, the person because I found this, that when people leave because they're offended, their offense gets worse because there's no grace from God when they're in disobedience and rebellion. Somebody say amen. God's not going to heal your little offense when you're in rebellion. And you're leaving. And there's people like that. And so there's people who leave and they think that's going to fix the offense. I'll teach him. I'll teach that job, uh, those people at that workplace. I'll teach those. No, your offense will follow you like a dog. And you'll never get rid of it. See, then if people leave, then other people get offended and say, well, why did he leave? Well, it must have been you that caused it. And then the kids of that person left says, well, they're a bunch of creeps at that place. And they take on their parents' offense. And all their friends take on their offense. 
And then everybody that sees them leave is offended because they left. And all the people that left are offended because they're mad about whatever they must have done to him to make him leave. See how offense just gets crazy, contagious, out of control. And it says, many will be offended. Then it goes on, it says, many will be offended. And then it talks about, and many will be betrayed. And many will depart from the faith. See, but now, what is the wisdom to what he's saying, saying there? Leave not thy place. What's the wisdom in that? That when you're offended, you stay. You know, I can remember when I, when I was an associate pastor, that pastor did some insanely offensive things to me. And I really had to do everything to keep my mouth shut. I've been at jobs where some insanely offensive things were done to me. How many of you ever been in that situation? I mean, like, I couldn't believe that they would do that. How many of you ever had people lie about you at work? How many of you ever had people uh, that just decided they were going to start picking on you? Anybody have somebody pick on you? How many of you ever had... You know what God says? Don't leave. Now, there's sometimes where God can, can, can call you to leave, and I understand all that, and I understand that. But generally speaking, you can't let little things, or even sometimes big things. See... You are forced, when he says, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth, or keeps from happening many offenses, great offenses. See, if you can just learn to buckle your seatbelts and stay locked in, you're going to be able to fix it. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's because if you leave, oh my gosh, a war breaks out many times. A lot of bad things can happen. See, the greatest thing is if you have to stay, many times what you'll prove to them is that you have greater character than they might even have. And then it also changes you because now you have to, you're forced to stay, forgive, deal with it, walk in love, maybe grow up, and kind of like being in a marriage covenant, you don't just get to bail whenever you feel like it. You know, God really likes putting us in a marriage because that forces us to grow up. And every time you get offended, you don't, get, you don't just get to bail out. Can I get an amen? So you've got to stay with that thing. See, that's a very similar thing to what he's saying here, is when you're offended, don't just leave. Stay and fix it. Stay and outshine it. Stay and, and, and fix the problem and cause everyone who's offended to think more highly of you. Can I get an Amen. I know there were some things that, when I was an associate pastor, I, 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 so, well, I was so tempted to get offended at some things that the pastor did. And I'm not going to tell you because that, that's not even, but just let me tell you, it was, it was really, uh, I found it offensive and I had to choose not to be offended. But you know, before I left, he, he told me this. He says, you're the only person that's ever worked for me. You're the only person I've ever trusted. And he says, you're by far the best employee I've ever had. And he says, God's calling you to be a senior pastor. And he says, you're, you can stay here as long as you want. You can come back here if you leave and you ever want to come back. He says, there'll always be a place here for you because you're the best, you're the best employee I've ever had in my life. I'm so glad I didn't get offended and do something stupid. I was so glad that I did not act on my feelings because he thought I was the greatest thing in the world. 
By the time I got in. And you know what? I'm not the greatest thing in the world anymore than anybody else. Because I, but because I didn't leave and get stupid about it, it made me look probably way better than I actually was. Because behind the scenes, I was really mad at him. But I didn't blow this coop, you know. Do one of those stupid things. But anyway, I just really kept my cool, and it all turned out beautiful. See, you know, there's two different types of offenses. And there's the wrongdoing with somebody. It's, it's a true offense. Somebody, how many of you know, sometimes people just really have done something bad to you that you didn't deserve. Well, these are, these are responsible. We're just about done. Don't receive it. Just say, that doesn't apply to me. I know it's not true. They're, call, they're saying that I'm, I'm a slacker to the job. I know I'm not a slacker on the job because I know I'm working twice as hard as they are. Just, you know, if it's not true, don't receive it. Number two, choose to forgive them. Number three, give place to God. Let him discipline them. Can I get an amen? And overcome evil with good, not more evil. Amen? Now, that's a true offense. When somebody's really done you wrong, don't receive it. Just forgive them and let God deal with it. But now, here's the one that happens more times than not. The perceived offense perceived offense. It's not a real, actual offense. It's not an authentic offense. They haven't really done anything wrong. You just received something the wrong way. It's a perceived offense. And if, with that, just let, it, let the word bring correction to your life. Receive correction. Because sometimes, you know, when, when you hear something that's preached, you know, that's just perceived. Well, well I don't like, I don't like that, what, there's, what he's saying in that sermon. I don't like it. What's well, the word of God? Or maybe it's, if it doesn't apply to you, don't put, the, don't put the shoe on if it doesn't fit, amen? And it's just perceived offense. It's perceived. And if, and if it is, and it, maybe it's you're doing something wrong and you do need to be corrected. Yeah, imagine that. One of us might actually need to be corrected. We all do. Receive the correction. Oh my gosh, what a novel idea in this, in this politically correct, everybody's offended culture. Recognize that pride is at the, at the basis of every contention and deal with your pride because pride comes before a fall. Can I get an amen? amen. And then repent from pride and, 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 and your error and let God bring blessing and take you up to a higher level. Amen? amen? Amen. And be the guy that was the rich guy, not the poor guy in the prison that was still cursing his dad. Let's all stand up. We're out of time. I didn't go. We're not going a whole lot shorter, but we went a little bit shorter tonight. I just went longer. <laughs> no. Well, I'm offended, Pastor, but I shouldn't go that long. Peace. Sermon for an hour. Ah, oh, it's about our heads.